Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Here we are, full swing, season two, Paul, talking about associate agreements from a practice owner's perspective. Uh, And today, we are going to talk about clinical development of your associate in your practice. Like, Rob, you always say it's like making the dental donuts, right? That's right. <laughs> the dental donuts, the legal donuts. It's like the, the old, the Dunkin' Donuts guy, right? Yeah, time, yeah. Time to make the donuts. Right. right? What, do, what is your associate going to help you do with this donut making? That's right. Yeah. And and, and sometimes, and, and you know, so as we've talked about a couple different times, you know, sometimes when you have two people making donuts, right. it, it means that they're just more donuts and they're more donuts to sell and more people that you need and more to manage. So For sure. Also, know. there's arguments. How much frosting did you put on? I don't put that much frosting on. The other <laughs> dentist didn't put this much frosting on, right? So <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a great topic. For us it's, to this dig is into. a good metaphor. We can yeah. just stick with this. It's yeah. all about. It's not about nachos today. Yeah, yeah folks. donuts. We're talking about donuts. Yeah, uh, but we'll talk about nachos, of course. Um, so when uh, an owner is uh, getting ready to bring on an associate, you're interviewing people, you're evaluating different candidates, thinking about what you're looking for to hire someone. What are you looking for? from a clinical perspective. It's a a great question. I think one of the most important ones, practice owners like me and my brother, whether you have one practice, 10 practices should really think about because, you know, there's this mantra out there, Rob, you know, hire people who have good attitudes and you can train them for the skills. And that can happen in a lot of non-licensed fields, like my dental nachos made up startup company, right? (laughs) Right. Where I can say, I can train you to be the client services person at dental nachos because you know how to answer emails and make phone calls and send texts. But we're talking- Like you can take a philosophy major, Paul. Yes. And they they, They they can work in first tomorrow. They can thrive, yeah. Come right right over. You know, we wear t-shirts, it's great. But in a dental world, we're talking about licensed practitioners that is that is delivering, you know, work that is only things a clinical dentist could do. So what are the fundamental procedures? I sometimes call them fundamental chips, like on a nacho plate, that will benefit your practice the most. And I use myself as an example. Every time we've hired an associate, we've really been looking for these fundamental chips procedures like crowns, single tooth crowns composite restorations known as fillings, Rob, night guards, restoring a single tooth implant, checking hygiene patients, really stuff that's, it's not basic, it's just fundamental because that is what these dentists have had the most training on. And if they're not doing that most of the time, you could get them into an uncomfortable situation with their clinical development if you have unrealistic expectations. Yeah, so interesting when you touch on there, you talk about giving them things that they you know, have experience with that are kind of in their in their orbit. That's that's important when you're mentoring a young professional for for a few reasons. Yeah. I mean, one, it's like it, it gives them autonomy, right? It lets them be independent, 
gives them confidence. Yeah. And then from your own selfish perspective, too, that's stuff that you don't have to be supervising as closely. You know, it's nice for, for them. Sure. They I mean, can run the ball, and it's nice for you that you don't have to chase after them. I just thought of something. I came back from the Dental Success Summit. Mark Costas and team did an amazing job. And I always, you know, inspired by Mark's, you know, kind annoyance of dentists to get out of your comfort zone to grow, right? But in this world of clinical development, you really want to stay in your comfort or what I call confidence zone. Because when you're delivering something to a patient you've never met, it's really important you're in your confidence zone. Because dentistry is very hard. It's doing full contact arts and crafts on people that don't want to be be there. That's pretty much what it is, Rob. It's not selling donuts. People want to show up for donuts, right? <laughs> it's not doing, you know, not doing hair. People want to show up for that. So the, there's a lot of judgment from the patient to the associate who's never been in there before. And this actually has nothing to do with age. It could be a, you know, we just placed someone with Dennis Job Connect who's been a dentist for 30 years, sold his practice, and now is working in a, um, a group practice. And he said specifically, hey, when I start, I want to just be doing the basic stuff, right? You know, probably also for his own confidence zone, because the more complicated procedures are, if we stick with these C words, yeah. the more complications that occur. And right. sometimes it's just, you know, Patients really judge your associate from their first interactions. So really line them up for success in their confidence zone with these fundamental procedures and work with them on them. Work on systems, make sure they have the materials too often, you know, uh, they don't have the right tools and the right materials that they've used inside of your practice. So if you're a practice owner, I think it's time for you to really dig in and set up systems for their success. Yeah, and uh, seemingly there's enough challenging things for them to manage without yeah. the the clinical aspect being entirely challenging as well. Right. You know, yeah. So, uh, so that and that's what bread and butter dentistry, right? Well, well bread and butter. Right? I, I take issue with this because bread and butter, Rob. It's not the 1950s where my amazing grandmother would, would give us bread and butter all the time growing up. So we people eat bread and butter like once a month, right, at a wedding, Rob. I don't think you're just coming home from work slathering <laughs> butter on a giant roll, are you? Is that how you start a meal? Uh, not usually, but <laughs> so, there are times I'm really hungry. Maybe. So I think we have shared. I, I call it kale and quinoa dentistry because you know that's more fundamental what we eat. And in, in, in a joking but also serious way, we found that bread and butter butter is not super healthy for you to eat all the time. Uh, you know, so what can we be have, having these dentists do that is fundamentally helpful to the practice? And it's these core chip procedures. So before we move on, I would share from clinical development, interview your associate, ask them, find out about their comfort level and confidence zone with the single tooth crown in the back, with the composite restoration, with a straightforward extraction some of the time, but that almost gets to additional toppings, right? right. Almost gets to it. Right. It's next. really stuff that is the general dental world that they've been trained on. Right, okay. Makes sense. So then um, now either you have somebody that is a little more experienced or you have an associate that is starting to uh, evolve and progress clinically and professionally. Now, do we we add the jalapenos? Yeah, and right. The, the guac, uh, everyone the, likes the guac. guac. Yeah. And also you want to, provide excitement. So if they did just give you a plate of chips for at Elvez, you'd say, these are not nachos, right? We have to add some toppings. So toppings make things great. But if you had too many toppings or too many spicy toppings, it can ruin a plate of nachos. So the additional toppings would be things like just to lay them out is like, you know, extractions, root canals, implant placement, sleep apnea devices, cosmetic dentistry. And this is where you as the practice owner, you know, I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old that live in my home. They're known as, as children. Sometimes they are overconfident in what they could do, Rob, right? Right. And they come from a good place, but I know when they say, I am going to do this thing, it's not going to turn out as they expect it. So if your associate says, you know what, I really would like to place implants here, say, okay, great, let's work on that together to make sure we can deliver it to our patients in a way that makes clinical sense, financial sense. But many times, Rob, 
some of these newer dentists have done GPRs, they've done AGDs, and some of these medium age dentists like me and seasoned age dentists, we don't feel like doing extractions. So this is where the toppings fit together perfectly. Right. Find out what extractions you feel comfortable with, do those, we'll refer the rest. Figure out what endo you feel comfortable with, do those, we'll refer the rest. So it really can be a magical opportunity for the owner to say, to the patient, hey, I don't do extractions, but I have this associate, Dr. Alicia, who does them. And this is one that's in her confidence zone and she's gonna do it for you. Right. So I think it's an opportunity to help more patients to be more productive and also make things more exciting for your uh, associate. Because if you just ate a plate of chips for nachos all the time, it'd be a little boring. <laughs> right, right, after time. Uh, well, you know, so, but that kind of takes us to the next thing, which is, you know, when you're, bringing somebody on, if you are a very busy practice and you're looking for somebody to help you place implants yeah. and you're hiring somebody who's fresh out of dental school, that may not work, right? right? So uh, talk about expectations and talk about unrealistic yes, expectations. I mean, mismanaged expectations. I always say the key to su success in life is me, and not me, Paul Goodman, but managing expectations. So if you're a practice owner who's been doing this for 32 years, 22 years, decades, you forget what it was like to be in dental school. You have some memories. You might have some nightmares. But you do not resonate with how difficult it is to come out of a training program. And the training programs, I mean, I'm just going to say they've gotten worse, much, much worse. The reps that dental students get to do, Rob, for so many reasons. You know, back in the olden days of 2002, in dental school, we kind of took all these insurances no other dentist wanted to take. So the patients had to come to the dental school. So we would get clinical experience and the patients would get to use these insurances were not too good. Well, a lot of dental schools charge as much as private practices. And right. while I'm not here to solve their business model, I will share that that limits the number of reps the dental student gets to do. So unrealistic. crazy. I mean, right. isn't, shouldn't the, the, the mission be education? I, like, also, what? Rob, I want to ask them this. What are they doing with all the money, right? Like, yeah. like if they're charging all this tuition, how can they not figure out a way to make care? You know, doc, uh, Dr. Travis Campbell uh, says all the time, how do they not make care like almost free so that these these students can get so much work? Yeah. You know, and you know, if you just, if we just divert for a second, I don't know the medical model exactly, but Medicare, Medicaid kind of makes a lot of medicine free, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, free to the consumer. I know mm -hmm. it's not free. So when these residents are at the hospital watching heart stent number seven on a Medicare patient, they get to do heart stent number seven because the patient is not paying out of pocket. But if this is implant number seven and the patient has to pay $2,000, yeah. it greatly limits the amount of people who can come. Totally. So it's, it, it's a real big problem. So the clinical reps, practice owners, I just want you to know they've gone down. There are some very unique schools like Midwestern Arizona, that don't have specialty programs. Yeah, place is great. There, there may be some unicorns, but I would say live your life in the most, Rob, right? You know, most of the time at Alves on Friday night, there's going to be a two hour wait. So maybe there's this one time on April 20th that you could get in there and there will be a two minute wait. But most of the time, there's going to be a two hour wait. So most of the time, the new dentist that you're looking at who's enthusiastic has not had the clinical reps to really make them competent. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, and that goes to being, you know, having realistic expectations, right. knowing what what you have, how they were trained. And, you know, look, mismanaged expectations or different or divergent right. expectations, that is the seed for a dispute. For sure. Or some sort of separation or uh, that's how things go wrong. You know, when, when one person expects something of for someone sure. else that somebody else is not capable of, you know, the, the, the fuse has been lit on it that It creates a morale problem. It creates a money problem. Um, you know, I think also – 
I know I do it. Practice owners, you take for granted. You have all these relationships with patients. And, you know, I, I think I've told this story before, but my amazing dad, you know, he did extractions in the Air Force and he was seeing one of his patients. I said, dad, don't do this extraction. It's too hard. He's like, I'm going to do it. I go, don't do it. He goes, it's too hard. I go, dad, you're going to make yourself miserable. So it took my dad over 90 minutes to do it. It was as miserable as I'd expected. I walked in, you know, instruments everywhere. The patient goes, your dad's still undefeated because that was his long-term patient. Yeah. And they had been friends for 30 years. Yeah. If a new associate had done this, that patient would never have come back. Yeah. The patient would have complained to me. Right. And the result would have been the same. Yeah. So don't think that like, they're always worse than you are, practice owner. The way the patient views them when things go off script is just very different. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's all you know, perception with this yeah. stuff. But you know, with that too, as you said, you know, it's uh, you know a money problem, a morality, uh, uh, not morality. Yeah, uh, a, uh, I mean, there's a lot of times team morale sometimes. Yeah, morale you know, problem. You know they, if the associate's taking too long, Rob. I mean, I, I don't know what happens here. You're done a lawyer, but you guys don't usually have your clients walking in. But if some, I mean, I was I was going to see, I was going to do my thing and interrupt your awesome associate. I mean, my my favorite, um, Anna and April. It's like you know, if if clients were lined up out the door and your awesome associates were doing the work then, it would yeah. create tremendous pressure, right? Yeah. And then like your front desk team would say, hey, there's people waiting. And it creates that, you know, you were saying oh, yeah. it creates a morale problem through nobody's fault other than just not really having the expectation set for everybody. Right. And then, and then, but so again, when we talk about that, like unrealistic expectations, mismanaging expectations, where we say that that leads to the separation, again, come back to what we talked about in an earlier episode. This is about an investment of your time yeah. with this person, right? And you you do have a, a lot of control over their success. This is your opportunity to make them a successful dentist. And that's going to be in your best interest right. until they decide to move on at some point. But, you know, doing this the right way, like any investment where you spend the time, yeah. will have oh, every time on So one of the things practice owners have to think about is their mentorship in the beginning is more time, more energy, more effort, but well worth it. If you skip that part, sometimes you have an associate that just never really gets the way you want it done. And the way you don't want it done, Rob, might not be that it has to be pink or red frosting. It might just be like, this is how we deliver these donuts and nachos to our patients here. But it takes time outside of patient hours. And sometimes I don't, if you're, if you're a practice owner that does not want to mentor outside of patient hours and sit with your associate and review cases and look what went wrong, you should not hire an associate. Or, or you shouldn't hire an associate friend at Fresh Dental School. Right. Maybe that's a different associate. Yeah. Then hire somebody that's more experienced. You know, like be realistic with what for you sure. have and yeah. what you're looking for. So let's talk about that. You know, obviously mentorship is very important. What's the difference between that type of good active mentorship and and potentially passive i mean passive mentorship, mentorship is like to me it's it it has merit in sort of concepts right you know like make sure our patients are seated on time make sure your crowns fit well right but what does it really mean and are you you know i had a great dental assistant who said you don't learn until you put your hands on it until you know you set up for the implant until you insert the crown so active mentorship has to do with definitely being face-to-face -face a lot, potentially being in the operatory at times with the patients and explaining it. You know, when I have new associates, I might say, hey, Mrs. Smith, lucky you get two dentists today. We love, we want to share the joy of your mouth. And sometimes that's my funny way of showing Dr. Alicia how the impression coping fits for an implant. But you have to have a certain comfort zone as a dentist. I will share, even my own father, who was amazing, he was not super comfortable with that type of teaching, right? I did a three-year GPR. My brother did a one-year GPR. And he would spend a lot of time with us outside the operatory, but he 
did not love coming inside the operatory because it was something he just always saw, oh, the patient's going to think someone doesn't know what they're doing. Right. And it, it's just how he addressed patients. He would have us observe. So you have to really get comfortable with if you want someone to do something in your practice the way you want it done to be really active in them learning that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and to that point, too, when we're talking about mentorship and clinical development, um, it's not just in the office, right? Yeah. I mean, especially for people that may not have as much interest or desire to do that active mentorship, there are other yeah. solutions for that. And, it, and all I had this, as we were saying this, I was thinking this, um, my dad would actually, you know, come in and sometimes I'd say, hey, could you check this thing for me? And one good phrase to use with their patients is, you know, two two heads are better than one and we want this to last as long as possible. You know, yeah. even if you were in my office, Rob, getting a crown done and my associate was doing it and she said, I want Dr. Paul to take a look because two heads are better than one who want to last as long as possible. You know, we have your back, right? Right. You know, it's very funny. It, it, there's something very difficult about dentistry, Rob. And I was telling this story in Boston. When we had our second child, they had like six doctors in the room, right? Everyone goes, I'm getting great care, right? They're right. all talking. You're a dentist and you're like, oh, geez, I just want to go ask another dentist what they think. It could be totally right. The patient loses confidence in you and it's a, it's a real weakness in our profession. It's a weakness for the patient too. Yeah. Like there's just this perception that if a dentist asks another dentist for help on site, yeah. that things aren't going well. So trying to navigate that is difficult. It's navigatable, is yeah. that word, but it's just something that practice owners should be aware of, especially when we're talking about clinical development. It's funny. I mean, I wonder why that is. I mean, you, I, I could think about sort of like logos and, and photos of like, you know, old school dentistry. Yeah. Like it's always got that that sort of one-on-one. -on -one it's just the solo person. Person, yeah. you know, like, and, and you see those, you know, like it's almost like a like a, a Rockwell, you know, yeah. thing of like, there's the dentist, like, and there's not, there aren't other people in the yeah. room. There's not an assistant. There's not a hygienist. There aren't people buzzing around. It's like you get this vision of like, it's seven o'clock at night and it's just the dentist and the patient, yeah. you know, it's going a, it, at right. It, right. It, it, it's a very stressful a place to be. Perception. Seinfeld is a funny joke. Whatever happens in the shower, you got to handle it yourself, right? Because it's like, you can't call for help. And sometimes dentists feel that way. And it's a funny joke about showering, but it's not a, it's not as funny when that's you eight hours a day as an associate thinking like, who do I ask? What do I do? And then, you know, that's the other thing I'll just add there too with clinical development. At some point, if you want to scale what you do, and even my brother and I have done that, we had an associate at a satellite location. So how often will your associate be the only dentist in the office? Right. And just be super aware of that. And if that answer is a significant amount of time, then you're going to have to do a lot of mentorship outside of patient hours. Right. Because to have someone running a whole location for you without having any licensed dentists on site huh. to rely on can just be very, it could be lonely, isolating, and yeah. very difficult. Yeah, if you care. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. But, and we talked about this in the associate uh, season, like that's something that if there are associates listening, you have to be careful about that. And that's that's a problem with a lot of big corporate jobs where totally you get lots you. of experience, you know, out on the island by yourself. You and know? also, Rob, you know, and I say this as people who learn things, right? I happen to be fairly good at golf, right? I'm not the best, but I play with- You're a good golfer. I, but I, you I, play I, 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 I played in high school, but I play with my friends. I don't know how you describe their game. They stink, okay? They stink. They're very bad <laughs> at the game. They love it. And I just want to let you know, sure and this is just, I think, me. important, yeah. is that you've played with people and they played a lot of golf. How often do you see them getting way better? So it's just like they're practicing- at their level, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it's not a, maybe that's 80 and someone's shooting 70 and someone's shooting 90. But what you touched on was so important to bring out. If you're a practice owner and that includes a DSO and that includes maybe a non-dentist owner and you have this newish dentist by themselves in a place and you think, well, they're just a dentist, they're going to get it. Sometimes that can just be a recipe for total disaster. Yeah, yeah. 
It's not. It's not. No good. one shows them how to take the club back. You know, it's just at the U.S. Open. It's like these guys are tinkering with their their swings after the round, and they're professionals. They have their caddies helping them. Like who's caddying for these dentists by themselves on on an island? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, <laughs> right? No one, uh, no caddy, and that's that's why that's not a good a good situation for anybody from a, a clinical development standpoint. So you know, again, with with clinical development, we've got the the mentorship, which is actually happening in the office, but. Um, let's talk about the value of continuing education, yeah. Paul. Then I think at some point, and I see this, and I'm always someone who's like having coaches, it's really just good to have your associate hear someone who's not you. Hear someone who say, this is the way I do it. And sometimes that's just with classroom CE. Sometimes that's with Zoom CE. Sometimes that's a hands-on implant course. But I think in the most fun way to help with both the fundamental chips and the additional toppings to wrap this together, look for CE programs that you contribute towards paying to for your associate. Maybe you guys split it 50-50. Maybe say, hey, what would be really great? You know, and don't let always the associate pip, because if I let my three-year-old pick dinner, we're having candy, right? And I like candy. I do like candy, but it's probably not good not for, for your long term. Yeah. So if you say to your associate, what do you want to do? And they say, I want to do sleep apnea. I'm just sharing with you, very few patients are going to trust a 31-year-old to make a sleep apnea appliance. Maybe it's unfair. Maybe it's judgmental. But it's likely not the best use of their CE. Mm -hmm. But if they take a hands-on extraction course with one of our awesome nacho sponsors and they fly somewhere and do two days of hands-on extractions, they could come back magically improved. Their golf game's way better. Right. And that to me, I think is just to wrap it up with clinical development is look for voices outside of your operatories that you can support your associate in learning from, because that is really helpful. Much like, you know, your parents could tell you something. Someone else says the same thing. Somehow your kids think it's magical. Yeah. They think you're an idiot. I'm sure that's just a tale as old as Mark Twain Absolutely. and all of these things. And the cool thing about that, too, is they come back and then sometimes you have the opportunity to learn from them. Yes, exactly. That's you know, even better. And then that's a very dynamic situation. For All sure. right. Well, it is an important aspect of things. And again, I think it's important to, for everybody to, to realize that this is a step in the process. Right. That if you want to have a successful, longstanding relationship with your associate, that you can't skip this step. Uh, otherwise, you'll spend a lot of time and it's going to be not quality time. and The whole thing's going to crash and burn. Totally agree. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you like the episode, as always, uh, jump on uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, onto uh, Google Play and give us a good review. And thanks, Paul. Awesome, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.